Welcome to Prompted by Nature, a weekly podcast that explores the connection between nature and creativity through storytelling. Each week, we'll dive into heartfelt conversations with the humans working in and with nature to support our planet and the creatures, including us, that inhabit it. Each conversation is punctuated by a meditation and writing prompt created by me, Helen, a meditation teacher, writer and outdoor creativity guide to help you to explore the issues and topics covered in a more meaningful and creative way. Because when we allow ourselves time and space to deeply listen and connect, we bring ourselves closer to a place in which we can truly live prompted by nature. Welcome to episode seven of Prompted by Nature and my interview with Nana Tomova from the Story Apothecary. How are you? Uh, It's been quite the week, hasn't it? I feel like things are changing so fast. Um, There's been a lot of turmoil, trauma happening over the pond and it's really hard to make sense of violence and the violence that we're witnessing around us on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, this is a podcast about nature, but actually it extends to everything. And I talk about that quite a lot. You know, it's not just about the environment, it's about um, society as a whole. <laughs> and uh, the way that we approach nature, the way that we approach each other. And I've been really shocked by everything that we've seen in the news regarding um, the police brutality um, to the black community in America. And obviously it's not the first time. Unfortunately, it probably won't be the last. If like me, you are someone for whom the color of your skin is not something you ever have to think about, um, we, we've got work to do, you know? We've got stuff that we, we, we can do in ourselves, which will help our wider community, our global community, and therefore nature. I think it's all tied together. Um, Seeing as I have a platform, I thought I might use this opportunity to kind of give you, um, if you are someone that's wanting to kind of go inward a little bit with all of this um, and start with yourself, because change only ever starts with ourselves. We can't expect other people to change. We have to be the change, as uh, Gandhi said. So... I did want to give one recommendation. I mean, I have loads, but, um, and if you want any more, I'm more than happy to give them. But one that I have is, there is a book called Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad. Um, It's a workbook and it's incredible. Um, It's really easy. You can do it as a daily prompt um, you just answer a couple of questions. You, you read what she's written about white privilege and, and everything that kind of comes with that. And then you answer a question um, about it. So it's a really good way to start making any change, as well as obviously signing all the petitions, because at the moment it's all about armchair activism um, in whatever way that comes. So yeah, I, I wanted to put that in before I get started with the interview, because I just think it's really important to speak up about these things. Um, As I say, I really do think it's all connected. So my interview today is with Nana. So let's talk about her. Nana is a storyteller based in Sussex. She's a storyteller of oral stories, of poetry and of images through her photography. She's drawn to stories about nature and our relationship with her. Nana loves to tell transformational tales about strong women and Bulgarian and Slavic stories. Nana was born by the Black Sea in Bulgaria and loves telling stories of the deep blue sea and translates and tells Bulgarian tales which have not been heard before. Her telling has been described as an ocean of inspiration, spellbinding, and people say that she has the power of making audience feel safe in her hands. And I can fully attest to that as I'm sure you will do at the end of by the end of the interview. 
Nana's background is in mental health, where she worked as a pharmacist for a decade, and this inspired her to create the Story Apothecary podcast, where she dispenses medicinal and healing stories for the whole world. Nana's inspiration for her poetry and photography is nature, which she finds rich, beautiful, inspirational, wise and healing. When writing about or photographing nature, she's in conversation with her. As a lowland leader, Nana loves leading storytelling walks where she combines the gift of surrounding nature with the wisdom of stories to create a magical experience. She's in love with mountains and their stories, and it's only a matter of time before she answers the mountains call. Her love of nature and the mountains, which she calls home, provide her with a feeling of flow, as well as a feeling of insignificance due to their great expansiveness. This is her reminder that the wilderness exists within. In this conversation, we talk about Nana's background as a mental health pharmacist and how she merges this with her work as an outdoor storyteller, psychiatry and the stigma surrounding mental health pharmacy, her exciting plans for the future and her creation of a real-life story apothecary along with her beautiful podcast, her wild childhood in Bulgaria, the transition from this to an urban setting and her journey back to wildness the liberating effect of nature, the joy of being an enthusiast, her journey to embracing her Bulgarian roots and how this influences her creativity and storytelling, the responsibility she feels for respectful updating of traditional Bulgarian tales, how she takes care of herself and her creativity, her hopes for the future, and Nana shares a story with us, which was such a treat. Nana has the most calming energy and I loved listening to her thoughts and insights. Please do go and listen to her new podcast and get signed up to her new Patreon and be soothed by her stories and words. Stories have the power to transform emotions and mindset and therefore the world. I'm such a big believer in the impact that these stories can have on our actions, especially traditional stories, which, when we explore their teachings and bring them into our own context, can expose us to perspectives we perhaps hadn't encountered or considered before. You can find Nana on Instagram, at nana.tomova, and her storytelling walks are at walkinthewild.uk. Her website is www.tomova.com nanatomova.com and you can find more information about her patreon www.patreon.com forward slash nanatomova as always stick around until the end and i'll pop back to give you an insight to the meditation and writing prompt that follows this episode and if you use the prompts from any of these conversations please do share them with me as i love reading your words and i'm working on setting up a section of my website dedicated to your writing You can find me on www.promptedbynature.co.uk or on Instagram and Facebook at prompted.by.nature. And please do leave a five-star rating wherever you're listening. And if you have time, a little review would be wonderful too. Enjoy the conversation and I'll speak to you after. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, so I do a variety of different things. So um, I'm a storyteller. Um, so I trained as a storyteller a couple of years ago. And as well as that, I lead walks into nature. So um, I got my lowland qualification about a year and a half ago. And I'm working towards my mountain leader qualification. Um, I am a poet. So I have a, a poetry book. And um, the other half of the time, I work as a mental health specialist pharmacist for the NHS. Um, So it's kind of um, been a journey of trying to marry everything up. Um, They were quite disjointed, but actually they're they're kind of coming together nicely Mm -hmm. at the moment. It's amazing you say that because I feel like that's the point I'm at at the moment is trying to weave together all of the things to find one common ground I suppose so how did you um I don't know whether it would all be linked but how did you find your way into what you do now and the way that you work with people so so I've been a pharmacist for about a decade um and I was never an artistic person uh, growing up or training I was very much into the science sciences and you know trained 
kind of you know pharmacy is very much grounded in science mm -hmm. and then um uh, about six years ago i had a, a life-changing experience due to illness and i had to really think about things and i didn't know how long i had left so i really met some um, some interesting um well i met myself really <laughs> and so i um i decided to go down the creative path the artist way course and an incredible mentor and teacher and she's been my wilderness guide and creativity teacher and actually really uh natasha is her name and uh she changed my life really and art changed my life yeah so um kind of being from somebody who i didn't consider to me to be artistic at all to then uh, well it's just flowing out of me all the time now um kind of you know poetry and storytelling and dancing i began to dance flamenco as well kind of nature and really i couldn't um sometimes the things that challenge us the most uh become the most rewarding things um and then storytelling i people ask me how i got into it but i, I actually don't remember the moment um so it's yeah, I remember her telling me a few stories um, during wilderness uh, kind of um, uh, vision quest. I went to a vision quest and a couple mm -hmm. of, of nature experience practices. And I, I heard stories from her. Um, and then I remembered how much I loved stories. And then one thing led to another and I went to, to do my training. Mm, wow. Was there any one, what I was just thinking as you were speaking about um you know, the way in which it changed your life and your teacher and, and kind of the impact that she had. Was there any one specific thing that helped you to, like you say, open up that part of <clears throat> that artistic or creative part of yourself? Or was it just a lot of things all merging together? Because I'm really curious to know, especially if you feel like you weren't artistic before and now you feel like it's just always there was there one was it almost like there was a lock that the key went into that opened all of that for you <clears throat> i have a feeling there is but i'm not sure what that one thing is there was um i did loads of practices so as part of the artist way i did uh, the morning pages mm, consistently for for months and months mm. um and this really wonderful balance of uh, mind and fierce at the same time mm -hmm. so I, I wanted to do my practices um, and I, I did meditation for about two years there mm -hmm. kind of every day and um, I went to the local Buddha Center so all these practices um, happened and spent a lot of time in nature and um, uh, with other women we had women's mm -hmm. circles and um, and photography as well I learned photography from her so um, yeah so everything everything just came together so i don't think yeah. there was one thing um but kind of giving myself permission so it took me a long time for me to be able to call myself an artist or be mm -hmm. able to call myself a photographer um it was this kind of block of i haven't gone to art school and i haven't gone to photography school so therefore what kind of rights do i have to call myself those those things mm -hmm. um so it's about giving giving myself permission um to be able to do that um, and that was really helpful. Mm. It's amazing the impact that formalized education has on our perception of ourselves, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's not to in any way kind of, you know, undermine or belittle training, because obviously, you know, training in anything is important, especially when it's with a very knowledgeable person. A knowledgeable person having a teacher is so crucial to help mm. us kind of move forward in anything but i think there is something about the impact that having to go to school and um uh, yeah take formal qualifications let's say has on our then like you say being able to step into something and say i am a photographer even if you didn't go to school and learn that and you know get a qualification being self-taught isn't always as um valued perhaps mm -hmm. or you know 
almost just in the eyes of ourselves, not yeah. in the eyes of anybody else. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I was listening to a podcast a while back by Elizabeth Gilbert, mm. and uh, the name escapes me. It's the art, the artistic podcast, um, where she interviewed loads of people. And one of those people she interviewed uh, had had exactly the same trouble with writing. Mm. So she asked to listen to the Iliad, the book, the Iliad, which of yeah. course was written uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, so before we had courses for creative writing mm. um, and that was really interesting for me to hear that such masterpieces were written before uh, things were formalized in education and that helped me to take a step back and think okay you know I'm not a fake I can mm. um, you know I'm proud of the photography I take and you know mm. the poems I write uh, I've had good feedback about them and I'm, I'm happy about them so it's okay I can mm. I can own my creativity yeah and do you, I don't know, because you, you know, you said you're a pharmacist, that's a very, well, I don't know, you can probably say more about that. I don't know a lot about it, but it feels like maybe it's a much more almost like linear, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's, you have this for this and that mm -hmm. for that. Yes. Whereas creativity and yes. any kind of art form is much kind of broader. Do you find that there's um, a need to like marry those two things or do you keep them separate or does one inform the other how do the two things work for you and mm -hmm. your the way in which you create and yeah what you create um so creativity has informed my pharmacy practice so uh because i work in mental health uh, it allows me to be more flexible so although it's very linear um we're a much more colourful bunch. I'm sure I'll, get, I'll probably get, uh, I don't know, I'm sure some pharmacists will have something to say about that event <laughs> here. But in terms of mental health, we're, um, yeah, we, we kind of as big type of pharmacists would go into mental health. Um, and so uh, when I started uh, kind of my creative practice, I was bringing, uh, you know, I brought storytelling to work. You know, I'm the only one, as far as I know, um, in the country to do that potentially um, and so the way I um, so I don't work in a pharmacy I work I do cons consultations with people okay I about their, their medicines and kind of how they feel about them um, and so the way I do that changed over the years um, and although they're not completely married um, I don't think there's you know that what we do has to be very specific mm. um, however I see it potentially working um, in the future I have kind of some creative ideas which I'd like to to take and maybe develop uh, by myself mm -hmm. independent practice um, so exploring medication through creativity or exploring medication through storytelling um, um, and kind of you, you've heard maybe of, of medicine walks yes um, yeah so I, I've done some, I've done a few medicines to walk myself and they've been wonderful. Do you and want to, uh, sorry, do, do you want to explain that to people just in case they don't know what they are? Yeah, so uh, medicines walks, as I understand them, um, is a, um, a process whereby it's led and there's a community and somebody has a specific question and they go with their question to the land mm -hmm. and sit and walk and really receive uh, perhaps uh, some answers, quite often more questions, uh, usually from the wisdom of the land. And there's a threshold where you step over and then you come back to the threshold and you, um, you discuss with the group and they offer reflections back to you. And it's a really wonderful process. Yeah. Um, so it's really, uh, yeah, you receive medicine from, from the land and mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful. Um, so I had this idea of I would like to, to do that uh, however bring in medicine as well because mm. um, a lot of people's relationship with medicines are quite complicated mm -hmm. um, and uh, I've just finished the two-year master's in research where I, asked, I was asking people questions around their relationship with medication specifically mm. in psychosis and I had some wonderful interviews with people when they they really opened up and it was so special um, and so I have a place in September, hopefully we'll go ahead um, because of the current situation mm -hmm. to turn the masters into a storytelling performance. Wow. Um, which I'm really excited about. Um, but it was this kind of 
for me, it's the, you know, the, the marriage between storytelling, uh, healthcare, um, people's relationship with illness and mm. of taking medication for illness and bringing in the land as well. It's a kind of um, trying to be a bridge between all sorts of things which perhaps aren't related in the day-to-day. I mean, the value of that feels so... <laughs> it you know because and I I think there is a real stigma around uh, mental health and taking medication for it like you said that people have a complex relationship with medicine and I think um, there is I, I I just feel the you know there's something so powerful there in in honoring the fact that people may need to take medication in order yeah. to get better yeah. um, and there is so much resistance in people uh, who are offered medication as a way of yeah. helping to deal with where they are in their lives right yeah. now and merging that with nature like it, it almost gives me tingles because I have <laughs> people in my life who I'm very close to, who have been through very big mental health challenges and long lasting. Mm-hmm. And you kind of mentioned psychosis and that mm-hmm. is something, you know, mm-hmm. someone I, I know mm-hmm. um, deals with that on a, yeah, a long-term basis, like mm-hmm. I said. And, and I think being able to get that therapy, but have it enriched by nature mm-hmm. and, and allowing that, that form of medicine mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm to enrich the experience because mm-hmm. I think also the thing with, with nature is it, it, it doesn't go away. It's like everything we're going through right now, the sun is rising and the sun yes. is setting, yes. the trees are blooming. It's still there. And all of everything that we're going through, it's this constant. And I love what you're talking about and merging those two things. I just, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm in <laughs> awe. <laughs> Oh, thank you. It um, it feels kind of surreal, and because of, um, you know, just kind of these ideas which I've had and have grown over a, a period of time, years actually. Mm. Um, and there's nobody else to look up to. So mm. sometimes I question myself of, you know, am I crazy to do this? And is this needed in the world? And am I just doing this? And where is it coming from? And yeah. Um, am I wasting my time and should I just be doing, you know, the standard thing? I feel like I'm, I'm kind of a, um, weaving my own uh, life, my own path. Um, and it's quite exciting. And at the same time, I'm kind of wondering, is it worth it? So it's, um, it's quite nice to, to have conversations mm. where I get, like this one, where I get really, really excited to, to do things. Um, I think sometimes the the trepidation and the apprehension or the fear even that we might feel it's just uh like you say if it's not been done before there's mm. nothing there to say to you oh yeah you can do this and it will work you know there isn't that like reassurance but that doesn't we don't I think we're moving into a world where we things have to be done differently and yes New, and this just proves, you know, there are new ways of doing things. It, it's not all just a repeat of what's come before. So kind of drawing on what you said about uh, nature and, and bringing the connection of nature, I'd really love for you to speak personally about your connection to nature and, and how that has um, guided you or mm. the influence that it's had on you. Um, because you speak so passionately about it. I'd love to hear I'd love to hear more from a personal perspective. So uh, as a child, so my first 10 years of my life, I grew up in Bulgaria and I was very fortunate to be able to climb trees and play outside till I was 10. And um, I had an insect hospital where I would treat insects with uh, with flower pollen. That was me growing up and I would raise (laughs) snails and uh, very much uh, kind of an outside wild girl my parents had a very difficult time taming me um, and then I lived in France for a couple of years and then I came to England so uh, I lived in after I moved from Bulgaria I lived very much in kind of urban cities mm-hmm. um, 
and urban lifestyle um, and so I lost that connection to nature and then I rediscovered it uh, through uh, Natasha who has mm -hmm. who has the um, leads the art of rewilding um, and it was a slow process um, trying to think what that was and I I can't really remember but it but it was small things you know like walking barefooted or mm. making soup with uh with nettles um and um you know having talking sticks where you take a stick and pass it around in a circle and and and, and talk as a, as a talking piece then she uh, encourages people having a sit spot so having the same spot where you go to whether it's under a tree or under something very special and sitting uh, and just listening to what comes up um well, swimming in the sea so i've done that a few times and then it grew, grew and grew and a couple of years ago i um i spend 36 hours alone in a forest as part of a vision quest. Um, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it was. It was incredibly uh, frightening uh, because the forest uh, had, we had deer. It was during rutting season. So the sounds were just incredible. But this, the forest also had lynx and wild boar and bears and wolves. And Where was it? Spain. It was in Spain. Spain, wow. Um, uh, Asturias, north of Spain. I know, yeah. Uh, um, and it was it was magical mm. um so uh i did that for 36 hours and before that on her previous course i had a mini solo for about four hours and um well, i don't know if you can see that let me show you a picture i know this is an audio but um can you see that oh yeah so um i had a i had a dream um, maybe you can take a photo of it and i can put it in no, the show no, notes absolutely. yeah I had, I had a dream um of a deer um coming and giving me uh i wanted his antler and he gave me his antler but then i didn't want to take it because it wouldn't belong to me it was a very sweet dream mm. so i then i i painted it and this dream came about because i had a, a little um kind of four hours spending time by myself um just outside of brighton um mm -hmm. a few years back in this little just a grove of trees and it was a few days after my grandmother had died um and uh she died in bulgaria so i didn't have a chance to go and say goodbye so i had a little i did a little ritual uh, and buried some poems um, in the ground and it's at one point this kind of loud barking that i'd never heard before uh just the sound um came from all directions and in front of me i saw a stag to move yeah. about um maybe 10 meters away from each other mm -hmm. just locked in our gazes and i was you know this mixture of emotions of, uh, of uh, fear and excitement and trepidation and also felt really bad that I was in his territory so I was potentially uh, frightening him and um, I've never experienced anything like that before so that stayed with me and yeah. uh, since then um, kind of the deer has been uh, had a very special place for me um, so these are some of them and then recently in the last few months i've gotten into into herbs and um, mm. trying to find out more about um different types of herbs and different types of flowers and perhaps how they use medicinally and then i've told you the idea of retraining as a herbalist however i've decided that i've done enough study mm. and um potentially the world needs me as i am and the world has many herbalists and they are absolutely wonderful yeah. um, and so my my books of, of you know proper medical herbalist books and some kind of um, more gentle apothecary books is growing. Yeah. So I'm kind of trying to learn with with the expertise that I have already. So it's coming from many different um, aspects. I think there's a lot to be said as well for just being an enthusiast. I because I've experienced the same over the last year, a couple of years of really being drawn to find out mm. more about nettles and all of the things growing in my garden and in my local area. And I had the same thing. Maybe I'll train to be a herbalist. And it's like, no, that's not what <laughs> I'm meant to be doing. There are people out there doing it, an incredible job that I can learn from. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean I need to. No. And I think, yeah, the, the world is saturated with these ideas that we have to do that yeah. thing and that thing. Yeah. We have to teach it. And yeah, I think being enthusiast yeah. is enough. Um, yes. 
do you think there's a kind of liberating effect of nature? I mean, maybe that's a loaded question, but because, you know, you've talked about the experiences with nature and, and how, um, mm. you know, you were a wild, mm. a wild mm. girl, mm. Um, <laughs> but you've kind of moved into, I mean, I suppose the area of mental health is perhaps not so linear as mm -hmm. other forms of medicine no. because there are so many variants. Um, but in terms of like when you go, I mean, we know about the benefits of nature on stress mm. and things like that, mm. but I feel like there's like a liberating effect and yeah, perhaps uh, that's kind of what you were alluding to with um, talking about going on the vision quest and things like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What do you there is. So uh, I guess the other part I haven't spoken to is um, about nature is um, leading walks and the training mm -hmm. I've done around that. Yes. And, uh, I, I love mountaineering. And one of the most liberating part uh, things I felt is um, is walking, doing mountain, 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 winter mountaineering and finding myself on top of the Cairngorms Plateau. Oh, I uh, love it up there. Now, isn't it wonderful yeah. uh, in winter with sunshine and just snow everywhere wow. and then looking around and the magnitude of the mountains and me kind of a speck of nothingness and and you think okay so all these things all these problems real or imaginary that I had in my head actually do you know they're meaningless because if I was to you know fall off the mountain actually a few people would miss me but well the world would carry on mm -hmm. and um it's really it's liberating in that way to say actually there's so many there's people but actually just not people um mountains and nature and the sun and the wind they are such big forces mm -hmm. and the world will carry on so it's um the significance of being insignificant is really powerful and liberating. Oh, I love that. The significance of being insignificant. I love that. <laughs> um, I was going to, you kind of mentioned about um, spending the first 10 years of your life in Bulgaria. And I wanted to ask you how, if, if, how, uh, your roots, you know, th those Bulgarian roots influence your creativity because I saw that you are doing singing and the dancing and the beautiful yes. I love your Instagram feed because I love you know that the skirt that you posted yeah. and and learning about that that those traditions as you share them mm -hmm. um does it influence your creativity at all it's starting to now so um I've uh, it's always been very difficult for me to fit in so um, moving a couple of countries I didn't know French when I moved to France and I didn't know English when I moved to England wow. um, and so that was incredibly difficult and I had some very difficult time fitting in um, and uh, you know I was seen as the Eastern European girl for quite a long time so um, that was very painful really painful experience and so I wanted to squash anything Bulgarian uh, into a little box and maybe throw it deep in the sea and I did that so I didn't practice my Bulgarian so I actually forgot a lot of it I um I had a very difficult time reading because we use a Cyrillic alphabet yeah um you know any kind of singing I didn't want to hear about um and so I locked that away and pretended it didn't exist and it's only in the last two three years and mainly in the last six months actually through storytelling I uh, wanted to discover it again, so um, it's I throw myself really in my uh, in my roots, wanting to discover everything. So I have so many um, Bulgarian storytelling books because I, I realised that some of the stories that we were told as children have so much um, wisdom in them. Mm. They're such a gift to the world. It would be wonderful to rediscover them again. So I've been practicing my Bulgarian. I've um, retaught myself how to how to read properly. Um, oh wow and um although i could do it it was the speed of a snail so now i'm kind of getting a little bit more proficient and i'm starting bulgarian national singing lessons next week wow. um on via via zoom so that will be that will be interesting and um i started 
learning how to dance traditional Bulgarian dances before um, in person before we couldn't go out anymore mm. and that was um, that was exciting and um, so it is enforced it is um, informing my creativity um, it's kind of in a way of showing me all the different things that are out there and possible um, and I have the possibility to kind of spin them and, and make them my own. And, you know, I'm translating texts from Bulgarian to English. And a lot of them are, are quite old fashioned um, and especially around uh, kind of women and gender. Mm -hmm. So I, my responsibility is to bring them into the world and make them um, not so old fashioned. So keep what's necessary, but actually make them palatable and, and show respect to women. Um, that perhaps wasn't shown in the 16th century or, or whenever when some of these stories were, were from. Um, so yeah, it's bringing a different shade of, of different colour into, into my creative creativity. That's awesome. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for rediscovering one's roots. I think there's a lot that's, uh, like you say, squashes, squashes uh, us in that sense. Um, or having to conform to one thing, the dominant culture, whatever it might be, have become that one thing. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like there's a real acceptance of the beauty of, mm -hmm. you know, everything that you are. Um, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, we talked about the liberating effect of nature. I think that's also a liberating element, just to be able to say, this is who I am and I'm not going to apologize for it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what do you do to keep yourself creative and make sure that you're looking after because doing what you do on a daily basis as in you know your your job as it were um mm -hmm. and then with the storytelling it's all very outward it's looking mm -hmm. after people and you're giving mm -hmm. how do you make mm -hmm. sure that you have you're filling up your well mm -hmm. as it were mm -hmm. yeah that's a very good question um it's something i'm not very good at actually and many many people in the caring profession are actually really uh not very good at looking after themselves and i'm one of those people mm -hmm. um so i have to um it's kind of flags uh, for example sometimes i'm not sleeping very well and i i wake up early in the morning or um i have quite um you know, upsetting dreams, for example, uh, and then it's kind of a, a sign, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I need to do some things. So some of the things that help me is uh, the practice of morning pages. I don't do it very often very, um, anymore, but I still have the books and I, I still write. Uh, yoga, I try to do yoga uh, at least once a week. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a wonderful yoga studio across the road from me, uh, and now they're, they're online, so I, t I tend to do that. Um, spending time in nature uh, mm -hmm. so I have a, a little garden it's so little there's enough place uh, just to put a couple of chairs in but um, it's it's so many things are growing there uh, kind of things you might call weeds like dandelions and there's mm -hmm. little clumps of bluebells and a, uh, a wild cherry tree blossom so really oh, spending time yeah it's, it's wonderful spending time with nature really grounds me um, walking barefoot uh, in grass is sometimes really nice. Um, dancing, I, I, you know, did uh, five years of flamenco dancing, and I wow. found that yeah, it was amazing. My, both my teachers unfortunately moved back to Spain, so it's it's on pause for the moment. But dancing really helped me. It was um, I had, sometimes I had to force myself to go, and then coming back. I could see my face look different. Mm. It was kind of lighter and there's, there's a sparkle in my eyes and a smile. Um, so all of those things I, um, I try to do to, to and, and slow down. I'm not very good at slowing down. But due to what's been happening at the moment of actually, you know, I've slowed down finally. And it's been mm. really nice to give myself the time um, just to stay in and have some emptiness and to let my my thoughts emerge naturally. What's your hope for the future? So when mm. you think about what you're doing and what's going on around us, um, what's, your, what's your hope for the future? And how do you, what, what do you see as your part in that? 
So my hope for the future generally is that um, nature will be a, a bigger part in our lives for, for everybody and uh, have a, more, a bigger respect for nature mm -hmm. um, and kindness for nature. So that's one of my hopes. Um, and I hope I can play a small part in it. Um, so I, I've led a few walks outside, so I'd like to, to continue doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been storytelling walks, so I've been telling stories um, in, um, in relationship to the land. Um, so, for example, the, the different, um, for example, the seven, sister, uh, the seven sisters, the cliffs, mm -hmm. stories yeah. about that, or, or, you know, trees when we're in forests, etc., etc. So really to, to increase that appreciation, love people with nature. Because um, I, you know, I really have a very special place in my heart with nature. Mm. Um, medicinal stories. Mm -hmm. So um, last week I launched, it was kind of a sudden decision to launch a podcast. Oh, in yes, in yes. The background yeah. For, for a while and it's changed significantly. And I wanted to do a podcast for about four years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I launched the Story Apothecary last week, which is medicinal and healing stories. So I'd like to continue doing that and perhaps even have a physical story apothecary. Um, with, uh, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, um, but with uh, maybe a physical space, um, potentially, and bring bring the medicine of the stories and the medicine of the land and and marry that with some of the healthcare practices that i have mm. um so some of that i'd like to pass my mountain leader um so i've done the training and i'm still um i need to get uh, 40 to 60 uh, eight hour mountain days before I can I can go for the one week assessment mm -hmm. so it's going to take a while because I live in the south and there's no yeah. mountains near me so I'd like to to kind of do that and, and lead more walks in mountains um and I'd like to have a well-being center in nature as well oh. um so my partner who's an occupational therapist in, in mental health and mm -hmm. a musician and a writer would like to set up something together and it's very much grounded in nature as well um that sounds incredible so lots of hopes i'm yeah. not sure there's enough years uh, in this lifetime to do them all but oh um, yes i mean yes <laughs> you can fit a lot in <laughs> i'm a big believer in just go for the dream uh, I love the idea of a story apothecary. I have this vision. I don't know if you've ever been to Starchild in Glastonbury. No. It's like, I mean, it's exactly what you imagine a herbal apothecary to look like. It's mm -hmm. got it's, it's a big shop and then all along the sides, you've got all the jars of herbs and things like mm -hmm. that. And they take them down and they'll measure them. I have this image of like jars of story components yeah. like characters and settings and and then you just take one out of each and put them all together in this big cauldron <laughs> just yeah, it sounds yeah. wonderful yeah it's something i did in um in the last performance i did i did a performance about the sea uh in october 2019 and i had um little jars like mini mini glass jars and inside each jar i had uh kind of a saying uh, a medicinal saying oh, okay. um and that kind of get, went with the sea theme of, of bottles in the sea but also mm -hmm. with the of the, the pharmacist apothecary theme so I'd love to have something similar but with stories in each you have the different sections for you know stories for the mind or stories for, for mental oh, wow. health stories for this kind of thing and uh, maybe map them with different medicines that people are taking I have no idea how I'm going to do that um, well, it's a seed um, isn't it it's yes. a seed. <laughs> yeah sounds um, amazing um so before we if you're still up for telling a story um before we do that i've got one last question which is what have you learnt on your journey or in the work that you do what's it taught you that you would like to pass on to others okay. all right so uh things that i've learned is that everything is connected um and that uh it's in, it's possible to use hardship to really get clarity of what's mm -hmm. important to to somebody um 
to surround uh, yourself with people who um, encourage you. So maybe not share things in progress with people who discourage you just mm. to get that positive energy going. Um, look for where you feel most at home. And if doors open by themselves, trust the process and go with it. Oh, I love that That's one. Found, um, <laughs> with my storytelling, doors have opened by themselves in a way that I haven't really felt before. And mm -hmm. I'm just going, wow, I just need to go with this. Um, and then learn how to rest and slow down. Um, and then the last one is uh, not to be afraid to dive into deep waters as long as you have good mentors and trust yourself and the process. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> I, I feel like medicine is a good word for that. Mm. There's mm. a lot of medicine in that. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, so if you would like to, I'd love for you to share a story with us. Um, sure. Okay. So this story is called The Blackthorn Tree, and it comes from a book called uh, Botanical Folk Tales by Lisa Schneido. Um, and so here we go. <laughs> there was once a farmer, and everybody that farmed with him said how bad he was at his job. You see, he didn't care about the land. The only thing he cared about was making money. And they said, if you want the land to flourish, his hands shouldn't go anywhere near it. In this farmer's land, or one of his fields, they grew, they grew a single blackthorn tree. A single blackthorn tree, imagine that, that's so rare. It was beautiful. And at springtime, like we are now, the blackthorn tree would swell and little white flowers would emerge. And when the sun shone and the wind blew, the perfume would go everywhere and would attract the bees and the butterflies. And then later on, it would grow green leaves. And in the autumn, it would give rise to those really tart, dark blue berries, sloes. And in that tree, birds would make their nests and little creatures would go and feast on the little sloe berries. And the people that worked in the farm would fill their pockets with the sloes when the farmer wasn't looking. It was a beautiful tree. One day, in springtime, the farmer came out and announced, That tree's coming down today, you good-for-nothing piece of crap. Who's going to help me? But nobody stepped forward. Oh, you fools, what's wrong with you? I said, who's going to help me? Finally, a woman stepped forward and she said, that tree is a lucky tree. It brings life to the farm and the fairy folk look after it and they bury their gold in its roots. I want no part in harming that tree. And the other people nodded and agreed. Oh, you useless folk, said the farmer. Fairies! What a load of rubbish. This is my land, you hear me? My land. If there's gold in these reeds, it belongs to me. Nobody else. Me. Fairies. Ha! And so he took an axe and started chopping the tree. He chopped and chopped and chopped. And the tree, its red sap oozed like blood. And he carried on chopping. But the blackthorn didn't give up so easily. Its thorns protruded his fingers until they bled and tore at his clothes until they were rags. He carried on chopping until the tree lay there lifeless on the ground. But the farmer, he was curious. He didn't stop there. He kept digging into the roots. He was looking for gold. But he didn't find any. Just the leaves, just leaves. Ha, huh. fairies, what a load of rubbish, just like this tree. And then he turned around and the farmhouse was gone. All there was, was ash. It had burned to the ground and in the distance, all he could hear 
was a laughing voice saying, what a load of rubbish. <laughs> oh, that, you, you told it so beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, I think that's a really lovely place to leave it. I feel like there's so much we could say about the story, but I almost want to leave it open for Let's leave it to, open. Yeah, to okay. leave to digest. Yeah. The only thing I would say is yeah. the Blackthorn helped me to tell that story. I spent oh. a lot of time with the Blackthorn. I told the story to the Blackthorn and it changed in the process. Yeah, so I was uh, I was taught by some uh, very wonderful storytelling teachers to take the stories to the land. So whenever I can, I tell the stories to the land and I receive mm -hmm. things back and sometimes they don't sit quite right. So I sat with the blackthorn, observed the blackthorn, smelt the blackthorn and told the story to the blackthorn and it changed a little bit each time. Wow. So the blackthorn helped me to tell the story. <laughs> and maybe that's, that's what we all need to do is tell the land stories. Mm. Oh, yes, I think she would like that. Love it back. Love her back, should I say? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. This has just thank been so lovely much. and just yeah, yeah, nurturing. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. thank you so much. And um, just before we go, how can people get in touch and find out about what you're doing and your book and your, all of your projects? Yeah, so uh, I have a website. It's nanatomova.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is nana.tomova. Um, these are the two platforms I'm most active at. I'm also on Twitter, Nana Tomova, and on Facebook, Nana Tomova Storyteller, so I'm everywhere. Um, <laughs> Google should help you out. Um, kind of my website and, and Instagram are the two main places you can go and find out more about me. Fab, thank you. I'll put it all in the show notes so people thank know because I'm sure there will be people interested <laughs> in what you're doing. And yeah, this is, yeah, as I say, it's just been such a joy. Thank you so much. Uh, for spending you. the last hour or so with me on a Saturday morning. It's been it's lovely. Been Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. How wonderful was that? I hope you enjoyed our conversation and Nana's story. In the meditation and writing prompt that follows, I'll be guiding you through a meditation you can use to connect with any tree in your area to help it tell its story in the same way that Nana told the story of the Blackthorn. You'll find this on episode 7B straight after this one. Sending you lots of love. Thank you for listening and happy writing. Happy writing.